Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Age of Radio. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Because it's sports talk with Cooper and Big Man. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again for Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. This is Big Man joining me, as always, is my brother Cooper. Cooper, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm ready. I'm excited. We're finally able to do a worldwide sports talk. <laughs> yes, worldwide sports talk, baby. We're back at you. Yes. And if my voice is a little messed up, I've got allergies, so Uh-oh. I apologize. And if you're hearing me going <coughs> for a couple times, it's because I'm dealing with some phlegm in mine. So yeah. allergies have been kicking our butts lately. Yeah, the pollen count is really <coughs> high around here. Yes, sir. But we're going to push through it and get this done. Let's do it. Starting with the world golf rankings. On the women's side, number one in the world, Nelly Korda, the United States. Number two in the world, Jin Young Ko, Korea. Number three in the world, NB Park, Korea. Number four in the world, Si Young Kim, Korea. Number five in the world, Haiju Kim, Korea. Number six in the world, Daniel Danielle, sorry, <laughs> Kang. <laughs> my bad. United States. Number seven in the world, Brooke M. Henderson from Canada. Number eight in the world, uh, Yoka Sasso from the Philippines. Number nine in the world, Nasa Haratoka from Japan. And number ten in the world, Lydia Ko from New Zealand. On the men's side, we have Justin, Dustin, sorry, Johnson. Ugh, him and Justin Thomas get two similar names, and it freaks me out every time I read him. Anyways, from the United States. Number two in the world, John Rahm, Spain. Number three in the world, Justin Thomas, speaking of, United States. Number four in the world, Colin Morikawa, United States. Number five in the world, Xander Schifele, United States. Number six in the world, Bryson DeChambeau, United States. Number seven in the world, Patrick Cantley, United States. Number eight in the world, Brooks Kepka, United States. Number nine in the world, Patrick Reed, United States. And number 10 in the world, Tyrell Hatton, England. Took over uh, Rory McIlroy in the number 10 spot. <clears throat> in the FedEx Cup standings, Patrick Cantley still leads at 2,014 points. 
Number two, Harris English at eight uh, has one thousand eight hundred eighty nine points. Number three, John Rom slips to third with one thousand eight hundred twenty three points. Bryson DeChambeau is fourth at one thousand eight hundred two points. Fifth is Jordan Spieth at one thousand seven hundred forty two points. Sixth is Justin Thomas at one thousand seven hundred eight points. Number seven, Victor Hovland, 1,630 points. Number eight, Xander Schaefeli, 1,579 points. Number nine, Jason Kokrak, with 1,573 points. And number 10, Colin Morikawa, 1,536 points. Let's move on to the MLS soccer table, shall we? Let's do it, brother. Here we go. In the Eastern Conference, still led by the New England Revolution, who are 7-3-3 three, and, three and 24 points. The Orlando City SC is 6-3-3 and 21 points. Philadelphia Union is 5-5-3 and 20 points. CF Montreal is 5-4-3 and 19 points. It would only have been cool if it could have just had two points because then it would be 5-4-3-2. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Would have been more fun that way to me, but, you know, we'll give them the 19 points. Nashville SC is 4-7-1, but tied with Montreal with 19 points. <clears throat> New York City uh, FC is 5-2-4 and, and 17 points. The New York Red Bulls are 5-2-5 five, and, and 17 points. And the Columbus Crew is 4-5-3 and 17 points. So a three-way tie there with 17 points, even though none of the records are the same. Still not sure how the point system works in soccer. DC United is 5-1-6 and, and 16 points. Atlanta United FC is 2-7-3 and, and 13 points. FC Cincinnati is 3-3-5-12 and 12 points. Chicago Fire FC is 3-2-7 and 11 points. Uh, Inter-Miami CF is 2-2-7 and 8 points. And Toronto FC is 2-2-8 and 8 points. In the Western Conference, the Seattle Sounders lead it. Um, Seattle Sounders FC, I should say. 8-5-0 and, oh and 29 points. Sporting Kansas City... Kansas City? <laughs> Kansas City is 8-2-3 and 26 points. The LA Galaxy is 8-0-4 and, and 24 points. The Colorado Rapids is 6-2-3 and, and 20 points. LAFC is 5-3-4 and 18 points. Real Salt Lake is 4-4-3 and 16 points. Minnesota FC is 4-3-5 and, and 15 points. The Houston Dynamo are 3-6-4 and, and 15 points. Portland Timbers are 4-1-6 and, and 13 points. Austin FC is 3-4-6 and, and 13 points. The San Jose Earthquake is 3-2-7 and 11 points. FC Dallas is 2-5-5 and 11 points. And Vancouver Whitecaps dead last with 2-3-7 and 9 points. But they're not dead last in the whole league. That actually belongs to Inter-Miami and Toronto. Ha-ha. So, we got some news to talk about. Let's do it, brother. First up, we were hyped up for USC 264. That was to deliver McGregor Poirier 3 with the winner getting a title shot. McGregor had won just once in his last five bouts. Poirier was out to prove that his winning January over McGregor wasn't a fluke. This rubber match had the hype of a possible fight of the century, or at least the greatest fight ever put on by UFC. However, we would be let down by an unfortunate leg injury to McGregor in the first round, which led to a TKO victory for Poirier. McGregor wants to get on the road to recovery and get another shot at Poirier. He also stated that UFC knew that he was already injured going into the fight, and this led to led to the full breakage of his ankle. Cooper, your thoughts? So the, th that came out then later on afterwards, because I know, I know uh, when it happened, uh, th there was some, some talk whether or not uh, Poirier, you know, blocked one of his kicks mm -hmm. and actually 
that might have caused the fracture, which, you know, later caused the break. There was a a whole bunch of talk about how it actually happened, why it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, man, this this was crazy. But I think Poirier would have actually beat him because he was actually uh, winning the round. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was actually, he had him down. He was hitting him. He was, you know, he was taking it to McGregor, dude. So, uh, uh, yeah, man, I, I hope to see this again. But uh, at the same time, I think that even if McGregor didn't break his leg, and did you see that? Yeah, it was nasty. That was, that was just, oh, man, that was gross. Mm, it was. And the and it was just weird because it was just how he stepped back and then just went. Yeah, he went to and he folded over, dude. Yeah, he went to step back, put his weight too, too much weight on his leg, and it just crumpled under him. Yeah, McGregor's one of those fighters where he tries to end the fight early. If he goes longer, the his uh, opponent has a better shot at winning. But Poirier was taking it to him in, um, in this match, so it actually looked like Poirier was ready to come out and try to end it early. But again, if he just survives the first round or two. Then it lo- then it starts working against McGregor anyways in that aspect, um, which you know him and Ronda Rousey had the similar fighting style in the fact that they tried to end the match quickly. However, if you could survive the early onslaught of either either McGregor or Rousey, then the like more likely you were to win the uh, or at least be competitive in the match, and also increase your chances of winning. And, and how about how about uh, th- those memes going around about? Uh... <laughs> Rogan getting his interview. Yeah, right. Like, dude, like, seriously, a dude had broke his damn leg, and Rogan still got his interview with him. It was like, what? The? Yeah, it's crazy. All right, we were we were supposed to be a week away from Fury Wilder three, but Fury's camp came down with COVID. This unfortunately led to Tyson Fury himself getting COVID as well. The fight has been tentatively rescheduled for October 9th. After a disappointing fight outcome, another disappointing. Fight outcome, sorry. The one this one occurred prior to the fight even happening. So, Cooper, another chance for another possible fight of the century in the Oof. boxing world is taken down because of COVID. This sucks, dude. And COVID's on the rise right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really, you know, I figured with it being summertime, it wouldn't be as bad. But I guess it's heating it up or something. Yeah, well, we had this whole aspect last year. So everybody thought, well, it would probably die out because of the heat in July and August. But, you know, we still battled, We still had to deal with it all last year through the yeah. summertime. And um, it's just unfortunate because it seemed like we were trajecting back towards, back to what we were prior to this pandemic. At least a relevant a rel- act. Ah, a resemblance, there we go, of normalcy, and now we're starting to see it, and, it's, and we're going to talk about it again here in just a little bit of how much it's been um, impacting the world, not just here in the world of boxing in the United States, but also it's about to start affecting um, what's happening over in the Olympics in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah, it's starting to have an international toll. Um, but unfortunately, at least the good news is they could reschedule the fight. Um, it's not an injury that's going to be postponed a whole year or something like that. It's just uh, both athletes are going to hopefully be more pre- better prepared um, because we're still in this kind of era where you got to make sure you're taking the precautions. I know some people don't like masks. I'm not saying you have to wear a mask, but you still have to take the necessary cleaning precautions. You have to take a sterilization precautions. Everything 
has to come with precautions, and you got to also be mindful of who you're around. I I don't. I'm one of those that don't think you should have to. Know, you should know if someone's vaccinated, but you just got to realize that there's a risk whether or not they are. Because even if you are vaccinated yourself, we've already seen Chris Paul in the NBA um, had to miss the first two games of the Western Conference series, even though he was fully vaccinated. He still came down with COVID symptoms and had to miss the first two games of the Western Conference Finals. So just because you get it doesn't necessarily guarantee you're not going to get it again or whatever. So it's just you got to figure out. You just got to be mindful and do the right thing for yourself. And, yeah. Um, and what, like we said, we're not trying to promote masking. We're not trying to tell you anybody's business, your your medical business. Oh no! Just no, take no. the precautions necessary <laughs> for yourself and do what you feel is best for you. It's just like me, dude. <clears throat> um, you know, for the longest time, I wear a mask everywhere I went. Right. Because I have cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. so I wanted to make sure that, you know, if, you know, there was this mass pandemic, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I was protected. And right. really, to be honest, it did protect me. Because mm-hmm. for the first time in years, I did not get the flu. Right. So think about that. Mm-hmm. It really does help. I mean, think about a doctor's world. Yeah. Why do you think they wear them? Because it's a medical requirement. Because it helps because it helps keep germs away from your mouth and your nose. Yep. So there you go. All right. So, like we said, do whatever you feel best, but just make sure you're taking the extra precautions. Yeah, I'm not saying things. if that's what you don't feel like doing, then don't do it. But I but mean, you also still need to be like taking mindful of everybody else and be respectful. Yeah. All right, so speaking of COVID, as we were just talking about, Tokyo, Japan has been seeing spikes in cases this past week. The IOC is still planning on having the Olympic Games go on, but most events will not have fans in attendance. Opening ceremony is about a week away from commencing, but it will be a... Uh, but with the high uptick in cases, this makes one one wonder if the IOC continuing with the Olympics is wise. Team USA men's basketball has just lost a player, Bradley Beal, to health and safety protocols, and, will not, and he will not be participating in these Olympics. Citizens in Tokyo have also questioned their government on the continuation of having the games still. So, Cooper, your thoughts on what's going on I in mean, Tokyo? I mean, I think you and I both thought, too, like, should they maybe wait? Again? Yeah, so, postpone the I mean, Olympics again? We'll see what happens, dude. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I do kind of get where the government of Japan is going with this. They've already put in the money. They've already kind of lost out on some of the money. But... Now with basically virtually no fans, you're not going to really get the revenue that you were expecting from you're not because you already pretty much had a ban on um, fans from outside the country. Now you're basically banning fans in your own country from attending. So your your only money that you'll technically be gaining is any money spent by athletes and personnel of each country representing every team that the country. Uh, those countries bring in. Yeah, so, whatever, whatever TV revenue you get. Yeah, well, yeah, and the TV revenue, of course, that you get from NBC, but so, and locally too, of course, because I'm sure uh, Japan has their own um, local network that they'll have taking care of it, but I'm talking about NBC, who does it for us, also any other network um, coverage that you have from other countries, but it just, it's going to be, um, you're still not going to make the money that you were going to be expecting 
Um, the only thing I can say after we experienced what happened in the bubble last year with the NBA, um, I'm only using this as a reference with this because we do have it's a basketball thing. We might see teams that maybe not done so well do well, like say like because you had players who showed up really well for Miami, the young guys because they didn't have the crowds, they didn't have that kind of pressure on them. So we might see athletes in other countries who may have that. A psychological disadvantage with the crowds being there now maybe have a psychological advantage because there's no crowds. They can feel calmer, less stressed about it, and compete better. And may this might make for an int- we might get some interesting upsets in the Olympics Definitely, this year. Yeah, Team USA might be going down. <laughs> yeah, because we've already lost two in basketball. So who's uh, to say what's going to happen with that? Uh, especially the missing Bradley Beal. What do you what do you think on that? Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this, because, like you said, I mean, not having the fans there might help them concentrate more. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're a little bit more calm when you don't have <coughs> the nerves of a crowd around you. So right, absolutely. All right, so we're going to switch from that and go on to some tennis talk here. Novak Djokovic is one step closer to the tennis Grand Slam this year as he dominated his way to victory at Wimbledon. He is also now in a three-way tie with Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer for 20 Grand Slams titles, the most by any male tennis player. Djokovic has won the Australian Open, the French Open, and Wimbledon thus far and just needs the U.S. Open for that Grand Slam. He is also attempting the Golden Slam, as he will play in the Olympics to try and win a gold medal there as well. So, Cooper, it's been debated, hotly debated, this week on Djokovic's stance as possibly the all-time greatest men's tennis player. Your thoughts? I'd have to agree with that, dude. That's that's quite the feat, and the fact that he's almost there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. He's been absolutely dominant. He's got he just tied Nadal and Federer, both who seem to be kind of in the twilight of their career. Well, he seems to be peaking at right now in his career and dominant. And so I would have a hard time going against um, him being possibly the greatest male tennis player of all time. To me, honestly, the greatest tennis player, no matter what we're going to consider gender or whatever, is still going to me is going to be Serena Williams because she was just a beast. Pretty much my whole life. 20, what, 25 years, I think, of my life she's been playing tennis. Mm -hmm. Has 23 uh, Grand Slam titles herself. Even if uh, Djokovic can surpass that, the sheer dominance she's had is just unbelievable. And some consider that Venus, some people actually thought her sister Venus might have actually was going to be the better tennis player. And she's surpassed Venus by a long shot. And it's been great to watch, so... Oh, yeah. But, yeah, Djokovic, though, definitely on the men's side, probably we're going to have to call him the GOAT of uh, men's tennis. I don't really see how that's not going to happen at this point. All right, so we're going to move from that to the pitch. We're going to talk some soccer. Let's do it. Italy ended up beating, or up, sorry, upended, sorry, England in the UEFA Championship 1-1, 3-2 in penalty kicks and an impressive victory. Luke Schaffer uh, scored for England rather quickly when he got England on the board 1-0 in, a minute, in the minute two of the match. One of the fastest goal in UEFA Cup history. 
Leonardo Bonucci would tie the match in the 67th minute from very close range. In the shootout, England put their three youngest kickers that they put out for the penalty kicks after their two veterans that would cost, and that would end up costing them. Harry Kane and Harry Maguire would score on their shot attempts, but Marcus Rashford, uh, Jordan Sancho, and Bukayo Saka failed on their attempts. Domenico uh, Berardi, Leonardo Bonucci, and Federico uh, Bernadeschi would score on their attempts for Italy, and it would be enough for the victory. So, Cooper, your thoughts on Italy upending England? What a nail-biter, right? Yeah. Penalty shots? Yeah. That's how I love how soccer, when That's soccer cool, goes man. into overtime and uh, when hockey goes into overtime, I'd rather just see this things end on the one-on-one penalty shots, man. Just give me those to end the game. Oh, no yeah. more of these ties. Let's yep. get to the brass tacks. Penalty kicks, baby. Right. Let's get rid of the draws, ties, whatever you want to call them. Let's do penalty kicks shots to freaking give us a victory. I love it. To me, that's just a great, exciting way to end it. You have your best goal. You have your best player trying to score against the team's top goalie, and you want to see what happens. And I love it every time. It's awesome, dude. And to get that as an ending, love Heck it. Yeah, dude. It, it, I mean, it, it writes stories. I mean, mm-hmm. I write a movie on this one day. They could, yeah. Uh, Bakuya Saka did have a chance to. Um, tie it up and force uh, extra penalty kicks, but you know, he was the last attempt for England. And, um, he was not able to um, score on his attempt. And unfortunately, the uh, Italian um, victory was marred by some racism from the English crowd, which kind of was a little odd to me because uh England's been very progressive and has a hard stance on even our racist take as a country on some things, and yet it seems odd that um, England would be having a race problem like that. Maybe it's more of a competitive thing. Could be, but still, it's not good to use... It's not good to do that either, it is, but... You know, they think a little bit differently than we do, too. Yeah, and we all know, we've talked about how passionate they get about soccer they are on the level or if not more crazy yeah. about soccer but than swiss them too <laughs> yeah they're more passionate or even beyond passionate than what we can ever be as nfl or college football fans high school football fans when it comes to our football we can be passionate but when it comes to soccer for them and their football sometimes they take it to levels that are wow i don't even know why i thought why I thought a Euro trip that I had because to. of the soccer hooligans. Yeah, that's why that was amazing. <laughs> and that's what I think and of every time I think of soccer, and I think of their fans. That's exactly what I think of. And they were, even though it was for <laughs> Manchester United, they were still English soccer fans. Yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. <laughs> Oh, anyways, thank goodness it wasn't the French team, or otherwise this would have been really bad. Oh, wait, no, wait, he does say he hates the eye ties. Oops, my bad. Anyways, we're moving on. (laughs) We're going to talk some more England, but in a different way. The golf course, of course. The Open Championship, British Open, for those of you who don't know that they just like to call themselves the Open Championship. It's not the British, it's the Open. They're special. They're special, all right is this weekend, and so far after two rounds, the leader of the clubhouse is 
crap, I forgot to pronounce that guy's name. It's Louis Osthusian, I believe, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. <laughs> I should have looked that up before we started. Anyways, he's on, he's the leader in the clubhouse at 11 under par, followed by Colin Morikawa at 9 under par, Jordan Spieth at 8 under par, Justin Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler, and Dylan uh, Fratelli at 7 under par. Phil Mickelson had a very rough start to the Open and did not make the weekend cut as he finished 12 over par. Bryson DeChambeau also has not been thrilled with his driver, even publicly stating so, which led to his sponsor, who makes the driver Cobra, to state their frustration with his comments. So, Cooper, the Open Championship. What's your thoughts? Well, first off, Bryson DeChambeau... Be careful with what you say, dude, because mm. you're being sponsored and everyone's watching that. So, right? It's not a good. It doesn't matter if you don't feel that your driver is working for you. Mm. You do not shoot down the company that, that's sponsoring you. Right. It's just not very professional. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as far as you know, film that. Phil uh, Mickelson, mm-hmm. that, that sucks, dude. I mean, really. Yeah, shot a 10 over in his first round and 2 over in his second round for a total of 12 over par. That's yeah. uh, not very good for the man who uh, won that great uh, tournament earlier this year and looked pretty dominant in that and to come around and come back to the open and kind of do that. It's just like, uh Feel what well, happened, they, you always you always hear what they say too about them doing uh, courses over there. Mm-hmm. They look at it with more prestige. So sometimes they get more into their own head about it, and then yeah, we've talked about that yeah. where certain um, certain courses can get into the mind of uh, golfers, and that probably took a toll on him. And um, but it's kind of an Kind of a nice leaderboard, um, how close everybody is. No one seems to be dominating and really so far out that you can't catch up. It's kind of nice to see that this is probably going to be a good nail-biter throughout the weekend. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see who holds, hoists, there we go, hoists the jug at the end of this thing. I can't talk right now. I don't know what this is. Sleepy, brother. You've been working. (sighs) Yeah, then there's that. So, <laughs> though I did get a good night's sleep finally for the first time in a while, but uh, so that's basically it for the, for this yeah. one. Uh, we'll be back, of course, tomorrow because we get to preview Money in the Bank. Oh yes, baby. money, 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 money. And there's been some interesting things going down on SmackDown. Mm. It's getting heated over there. Yes, it is. And, of course, we love the fact that the fans came back tonight for Friday Night SmackDown. We'll be there at Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth for Money in the Bank. Yes, baby. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
Dude, it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice because we don't have to watch a stupid, weirdly ran through, also ran through, freaking the WWE headquarter building all the way up to the top and climbing the... We have a real legitimate ladder match, and you're not going to hopefully screw it up this weekend. Right, WWE? And we're going to watch it. Well, the whole family's watching this pay-per-view. I don't care. We're going to beat them if they don't. We're going to watch it. That's right. We're going to watch it. It's going to be good, great, grand, fantastic. As long as they don't screw it up this year. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> we can't, uh, can't do much worse than they did last year. There's not nearly anybody in it that shouldn't win it, I guess you could say. In, in either side where you'd be like, why did you let that person win it? Because you know you're not going to let them be champion. Yeah. You know, there's not that person where, I, unfortunately, I would have loved to have seen Otis with a, at least an attempt to cash in. The fans wanted to see it. Yeah, they, but now what they're doing with him is total crap. Yeah, they've gone off the deep end with what they've done with him, so it's kind of just crap. Anyway, so Sunday we'll be back with baseball basketball talk. Um, and COVID issue happened with the Yankees um, organization, so they had to cancel Thursday night's um, game against the Red Sox, which was the only game which was going to be televised, so I'm sure ESPN was so thrilled. <laughs> That they lost their only game that day. Um, the uh, fi- NBA Finals is now 2-2. Uh, the game 5 is tomorrow night. So that means we will not have a decisive, um, decided winner on Sunday for you. For sure. Because obviously they'll only be up 3-2 in the series. And we'll discuss what's been going on with that. And, of course, we'll be back with NASCAR talk. Uh, we get to talk a little bit of uh, things. Oh, I forgot. Sunday, also, we get to talk about Colin because we beat Colin yeah, to that story. We beat, we beat Colin to the punch. I love the fact that we like, beat Colin Coward to, the, to a story, man. It just makes me feel good. It's like, yeah. Right? It's on net. Look at it. It's national TV. But we did it first. We did it for three weeks, baby. Make it four weeks. A whole month of Shohei Otani. Yes, sir. I love it. (laughs) All thanks to the good research of the big man. Yeah, baby. Loving this. This feels good when you're just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, um, but don't forget, like I said, Tuesday, NASCAR. um, We do, I think we have football and I'm. Dang, we gotta figure out something else for Tuesday because hockey's over. <laughs> I forgot hockey's over. <laughs> this should be something we talk about after the episode, bro. <laughs> My bad. Anyway, so be sure to tune in. We'll figure something out for you on Tuesday. Besides NASCAR and a little bit of football talk, we'll figure, we'll think of something. I promise. Anyway, so that does it for us tonight. And as always, keep, keep on, on talking, talking sports. sports. Hey everyone, this is Big Man. This is Cooper. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode, but be sure to check us out on our social medias. On Facebook at Cooper Big Man. Our Facebook page, Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. On Twitter at Cooper underscore Big Man ST. On Instagram, also at Cooper Big underscore Big Man ST. At TikTok at Sports Talk dot Cooper dot Big Man. Or you can email us at Sports Talk with Cooper in Big Man. That's Sports Talk. W-I-T, Cooper, the letter N, big man, and that's at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we love you guys for checking us out. Be sure to catch us on our next episode.